Welcome to Living Newspaper Clippings, a series of conversations recorded remotely online between some of the writers and artists who are creating Living Newspaper at the Royal Court Theatre. Over six editions, Living Newspaper brings together more than 200 freelance artists to make new work about what matters to them now. Alongside these conversations, you can watch clips of the work they discuss and find out about future editions on the Royal Court Theatre website. The following content may contain strong language. Uh, hi, I'm Daniel Yorklow. Uh, I was one of the writers on edition one, and I'm here with, along with... Uh, Catherine Sofa, and I also wrote on edition one. Hi. It's kind of amazing because we obviously went to see it on the same night yeah. and it was in it was like the first or second week of December I think yeah and we both chose to wrote write about things that shaded into the conspiracy theories cropping up mm. in 2020 and in QAnon and then three weeks afterwards the insurrection yeah. in the capital happens so I, you were probably thinking about the same thing I was at that point. Well, I was, and and it's been on my mind constantly, I think, for the last year. I, I think we're, we're kind of in an age of fear and where the truth, I don't know what it counts for anymore. I really don't. Yeah. The funny thing is, because I, at some point, was trying to think, like, what is it? I think when writing the, um, this yeah. piece for um, Living Newspaper, actually, I was trying to think to myself... What what is the difference between QAnon and all of the pandemic conspiracies versus like the sort of conspiracies that lie dormant for decades on end, like JFK was murdered by the CIA and that sort of thing. Princess Diana was um, was murdered. Nine Eleven was an inside job. And one of the things that I was thinking about is that like it conspiracies just tend to take on the kind of anxieties of the age that they're mm-hmm. conceived in because. What like at one point I think this was also in the run up to the election. I watched a clip of John McCain in two thousand and eight, really firmly shutting down a woman, a Republican woman, saying that Obama was an Arab and like yeah. expressing fear about it. And I was watching it and thinking, that seems like another age now. That seems more than like twelve years ago, thirteen um, years ago. T- totally, and I, I always think those ones about. Um, JFK and Princess Diana. I think those are things that, that I mean, I and I've I've kind of bought into those things just because. I mean, I, I think those are things that people wondered about and people would look at and sort of investigate. But yeah. these seem to be about a, a, a kind of fevered hatred, fear, prejudice. I mm. I just don't. I can't even. And and the, the, I mean, I remember one I saw. In Britain, in in our last election, when um, they went to the BBC, went to a, a Brexit party rally somewhere, and this guy turned around the BBC reporter. He said, "You're the BBC goer. You're horrible people." And he went, "You're Marxists," like that. And I thought, well, "Do you even know what a Marxist is?" I mean, I don't. I, yeah. You know, are we talking about someone who's read Das Kapital? Because I tried to read it once, and it just seemed to be all about sewing machines. <laughs> you, know, you know, if 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 worker one is producing this much this much thread, and worker two is you know, the, the, and, yeah. and all about the, the and I, I just thought, and and the way that 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 word had become weaponized uh, to to demonize something that's 
I don't know what. I mean, they would say left wing. I just, I just don't know. I don't know. And the idea that 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 the BBC is full of full of communists, I just can't. Quite yeah, especially remember. especially when you consider that like people at the BBC are like actually not really able to express many political opinions because mm. of the fact that it's uh, mm. state subsidised. It's re- it's really strange. Like I, I mean, but then I partly think that birtherism was one of the huge like kind of things that laid the groundwork for what we're experiencing now and the fact that so many people republicans really is what i mean were so happy to go along with that and fan the flames of it but i read this quote about birtherism that i thought was so fascinating saying um it was from the beginning an answer looking for a question to justify itself that it wasn't actually this weird thing has happened and now we're looking for reasons why it might have like why it might have happened because it seems strange it was always scrambling for a fact that didn't exist it wasn't actually predicated on anything other than the fear of obama as a figure but then it's sort of that like that tribe that was developed over those years has railroaded into the fact that now we do have some a, a kind of world event going on that's hard to explain that's yeah. change people's lives in ways that we can't even understand and when you put the two of them together it's this perfect storm completely and I, f- I find it shocking that every night in the news now they they i mean it's you know uh, a certain well-known actor who's decided to reinvent themselves as as some sort of right-wing political figure mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago was saying let, 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 let the news cameras into NHS hospitals, right? Because he, you know, he obviously... Oh, God, yeah. And it's interesting that now every night on the news, we have really, you know, loads of really traumatic footage and, and doctors and nurses literally in tears. And every night they seem to be saying, look, look, this is real. Please know this is real. Mm. And, and relatives who've lost people saying, this is real, this is real. And we're having to kind of put that out there. Yeah, well, it, I think it's that thing where, like, lots of people I know, I, who I think are perfectly sensible, would potentially be a bit worried by, like, all the idea that, oh, I've heard that all of the hospitals are actually empty. It's, yeah. it, but it's one of those things where if you aren't an expert on lots of, on these sorts of things mm. and you don't know actually how it's working, you're not necessarily very qualified to actually assess the meaning of a particular fact or, or, or like misleading piece no. of information and like but then that you go back to the same thing of we're all sick of experts yeah well i know i was gonna say i probably yeah. started in this country with that one didn't it yeah. I mean, you know that idea that you just decry that idea that people know things you know what i mean that's just you know and 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 the way that i mean i, I would argue that a lot of media has done this thing where in in trying to be very impartial they literally, you know, they they give equal credence to. Mm. I mean, I I don't know if I was sat there talking to a financial advisor about stocks and shares and stuff. You know, I wouldn't think my opinion was of equal. I you know, yeah, equal I just wouldn't. Well, I think it's the thing where when you, if one if one opinion is actually incredibly extreme and you try and find the centre, so to yeah. speak, you're still going to end up somewhere far more extreme than what you think the centre actually means. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But like, what kind of when I was like working on 
my piece, I was kind of thinking a lot about, I'm sure you were too, having listened to yours, or seen it in person. Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking about like, what, in what ways would I actually be vulnerable to conspiratorial yeah. stars of thinking myself? And like you said, that you kind of had like, in the past have heard like, the things about JFK, Diana and things, and you thought, oh, like that might be something to that. Like I remember when, Grenfell happened and seeing screenshots of people's texts being like, there are way more bodies oh, than yeah. the government is letting on. It's, it's hundreds more or something. And like, I, I honestly thought like, God, that really could be, that seems possible to me. But the reason that chimed with me is because I don't have the trust in the government, yeah. <laughs> like the government that we have right now to trust that they wouldn't actually just sweep under the rug, particularly people of the, demographics that were affected by Grenfell even though when you step back you think like it would be it would be pretty unlikely for that not to actually come out over the next few years and the and the, the kind of destruction of the kind of the impact that a revelation like that you would hope would have on the government would mean that they wouldn't be likely to do that but I think when I remembered that I had been very open to that idea, which was just hearsay at that point, I realised like it is just that thing where it's it's all about what door is actually the one that appeals to you. Yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned Grenfell because I lived just around the corner from it, and uh, I did hear and read from some sources I, I would have considered very reliable that there were a mm. lot more. And and like you, I was inclined. I was I would. I was not inclined to disbelieve it, look at it that way. Yes, because, yeah, exactly. because like you, it, it probably did play into my biases and suspicions. But by the same token, I wasn't really, I, I wouldn't, I don't know, to get to that level of utter conviction about it, which is what I see a lot. And I thought, you know, it's interesting in your piece, I thought, I thought, I thought one of the things that was really chilling about it was, 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 was the kind of build between the two people, mm. you know, going, well, yeah, they are like this and that. And it, and it just builds and builds and builds. And I think there's there's something about being in in kind of echo chambers with people who think like us. Yeah, you know? and I think it's and I think it's that thing where we sort of it can become a bit of a truism of being like, oh, people who are isolated do are more attracted yeah. to this and that, but we don't necessarily think about what why that is in more literal terms. That like when you're literally cut off, as everyone has been this year, from seeing people you know and love, from seeing people who might kind of keep your feet on the ground a little bit mm. more the kind of human need for a tribe I guess means that you are far more inclined to um spend to spend more time searching for those connections and getting into that yeah. place of belonging and again it's the thing where people who in communities where like civic institutions and communities have broken down to begin with that human instinct and that need for a place of belonging for your own tribe leads you into kind of very unhealthy distortions of that. I, th I think so. And I wonder as well if just the fact we're not going out and interacting with people means not only do we not see the people we love or like, we also don't see the people we're maybe not that inclined towards. And yes, therefore they, they can get kind of demonized and dehumanized. Um, yeah to a far greater extent than they might do normally. Mm. You know? So it's because, like, I, I, like, thinking about it, 
I kind of, I don't know if you've ever like happened to see any of this. I've seen kind of in much more miniature ways, those kind of like online communities yeah. really go off into the stratosphere. Like some play, sometimes when people are fans of like a TV show, they'll all convince themselves and convince one another that the romantic leads are in love in real life, but they're being yeah. kept apart because they're ma- meant to be married. But actually it's just beards, the, the people they're married to, it's all fake. And it's just that thing where where it's that kind of feedback cycle where other people saying, oh yes, that seems plausible to me and mm-hmm. like egg you on and then you egg them on. Yeah. And when there isn't a voice in the room to actually say, this, <laughs> this all seems absolutely crazy. Yeah. It, it just, it snowballs and snowballs. Yeah, well, I, I mean... I've yeah I've certainly yeah I've seen a lot of that on Twitter and stuff. I mean I've come off Twitter uh, for the time being I can't you know what I mean it's just like yeah. I like I've I've tried on Twitter a few times like in the past but I've never like I I I can't I can't even work out how to interact with people on it I think I get scared <laughs> by it being too public like yeah and it, weirdly I kind of think like the reason I like writing things is because there's that kind I can write about a lot of stuff I'm really interested in not in my own person and whatever I put out into public has a kind of like veil drawn over it in some weird way yeah I I think I think the problem with Twitter is you you end up and I certainly fall into that trap of of you know writing things that aren't that considered sometimes so so like you you, you're struggling to make sense of something inside you Mm. or in the world and you kind of lash it all out there And, and it's almost like it's almost like releasing your first draft. You know what I mean? It, yes. It, you know, I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I remember <laughs> that, that thing when you first start writing, you, you managed to write one thing and, and, and you actually, I mean, I actually did this. I sent this to people, you know what I mean? And, and then you look back on you, that's horrendous, man. I should never have sent that to anyone. You know, it, it's, it's... I have exactly the same things. <laughs> you know, well, I think, I, think, I think it's quite common. We all do it when we first start. We go, oh, yeah. clearly, clearly a work of genius. And then, and then you look back and you go, oh, my God, it's really, you know what I mean? Um... And and there is a lot of stuff that I I, I found this now. Um, I'm sure you have that, that that when when you you know there's there's a lot of things that come out um, unfiltered when, when when you're writing and you really need to kind of get a sense and and, and sort them out and, and and shape them a bit a bit better. Sometimes you need to be unfiltered. You need to have a character saying something that's unfiltered. But yeah. There's a certain kind of I don't know. There's a certain kind of wave you can push out there, which is not which can be very what's the word destructive or, or something I don't know you know yeah and you you need to be able to be unfiltered to the not to too many people at once yeah yeah no 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 c- completely completely I, I think there was a James Graham podcast I, I saw where he said you know you only send your first draft to about two people you know it's not yeah it's not, there's two people in the world you should be able to trust and apart from that you know and and that is the problem with Twitter you're you're putting out not even a first draft to a, a potential audience in in the tens of thousands who will get hold of it and 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 judge you and mm. and get angry with you and and you know you you it's a bit like getting drunk in a bar one night and saying something stupid you know what I mean but it's yeah. up there forever and that's a real problem. I think the thing that I've always struggled with it a bit with is, is that it's it's by its nature bite sized that it's yeah. even when it's a really long thread it's having to put things into these tiny little chunks. Yeah. And yeah. I feel as though like the way that, that like the way that things actually are 
can't necessarily be put into chunks the way that like we think shouldn't necessarily be in these kind of like pithy uh sound bite yeah completely and that's why in a way i mean it's a brilliant campaign tool there's no there's no getting yeah away. oh yeah yeah you're right actually that, that does know, make a lot of sense and and i i totally made use of it in terms of activism mm. um but then you see someone like donald trump making total use of it yeah um people like katie hopkins tommy robinson made total use of it and mm. you know they're not on there anymore but but it, it's it's yeah it's it's I well, I thought, well, I, I've really thought about how, like, what is the point at which, like, face-to-face political campaigning is going to be viable again? That's something that we've lost for the time being. And that's actually, in some ways, I think, one of the most useful forms of it that doesn't necessarily, there isn't so much a case of, like, uh, something that is isn't act that is actually a kind of misleading framing of the facts then gets, yeah. like, retweeted a million times around the world that like and 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 neglects that kind of human element yeah i mean god completely I mean, I, I, and there's so much about the media these days. And I remember reading about um, Clement Attlee, who was, you know, supposedly one of the great Labour leaders, one of the great Labour prime ministers. I mean, I'm, I'm not old enough to remember Clement. And, and apparently he was devoid of charisma. You know, you know <laughs> I mean, I, you know, he was really, really dull, dry, but, but you know, a, a, you know, a very measured politician who thought about things, introduced some great policies. But I, I just don't know if that's, like you say, I don't know if that's viable anymore. People even both talked about that with um, Gordon Brown. They said he was a politician for the radio age. Um, yeah. But like, when you put him up next to Cameron, one of them's a bit more shiny and well-buffed and uh, clearly Etonian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I don't know if you read this thing about the Labour Party yesterday, this leaked, leaked report that they're... they're their new strategy is all about flags and, and patriotism and you know and I notice that now it's very interesting when you see politicians mm-hmm. being interviewed now Tory and Labour they're, they're, all, they're, all, they're all sat in front of the flag but I think it's that again it's that weird thing where <sighs> how do we unify ourselves and a flag is one way as long as the, we understand the flag to mean a good thing yeah, yeah, no, c- c- completely. Yeah. Um, it's just that I, 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 th- 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 there's a kind of push into nationalism, very much so. Oh yeah, it's that. Um, well, the th- the thing about how do you, like where is the line? How yeah. do you allow people to love the country they're in, embrace the country we're in, and and not and like keep that at bay? Yeah. One of the things I wonder is like whether the uh, hopeful influx of Hong Kongers is going to be something that well, is beneficial me, in the future. Let me get started on that. It's an interesting. I know. Thing. I was going to say we've got yeah. so little time left already, no, no, and no, no, I know we're bringing I, I will, in these big things. I will say something quick, quick, quick about that, which is, which is, I saw a Telegram article on Twitter about the, the replies underneath were, were off the scale, because I mean it's open to something like you know they're talking about hundreds of thousands, maybe a million. So, so the ethnically Chinese, which I am in Britain, would suddenly go from being a tiny ethnic minority to being quite a sizable one, mm. which is obviously going to kick in. Interestingly, I will say something about this about 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 China as well, because in addition to of living newspaper, my friend San, who's from China, 
her piece was very much about the same sort of thing we were writing about, but what happens right. in China. And I read a whole article about this. Like, 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 there, were, there were sort of 20, 30-somethings who were very concerned about their parents and their grandparents because of what they're reading on social media and what, the, what you know, they're, 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 literally, they're, they're literally trying to find these kind of herbal cures for, for, for illnesses and stuff like that, which, which they've got off Weibo and they've got off and all sorts of conspiracy theories and stuff like that. It's the same thing going on all over the planet. It's really interesting. Yeah, I owned up a big can of worms there just as we're about to finish, but but yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll have, we'll, at some point, we'll have to actually just have a long conversation, not Definitely. recording, just <laughs> <laughs> hashing out all of this stuff. Yeah, but not hashtagging it. No, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Great talking to you, Dan. Yeah, and you, and you. God, that was great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Raw Court Living Newspaper Clippings. To watch clips of the work by these writers and find out more about Living Newspaper, visit rawcourttheatre.com forward slash livingnewspaper or click on the links in the episode notes.